Don't touch that dial. Grab your magic wand instead. It's time for Magic and the Law of Attraction with Madame Pamita. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Madame Pamita, and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction, the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Welcome to episode 62 of Magic and the Law of Attraction. How do I work with animal familiars? Have you invited animals into your magical practice? Hundreds of years ago, a familiar was seen as a demonic helper to a witch. But nowadays, we have a much more enlightened view. Familiars are special animal relationships that magical practitioners have. And these special animals can be seen as spiritual teachers, guides, helpers, or even protectors. Do you have an animal familiar? Do you want one? Well, join me for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction, where we'll talk about how animals can become our spiritual allies and how to find your special animals to make magic with. Before we dive in, I want to remind you that every month I hold a workshop on the first Sunday of the month. The series is called the First Sunday's Witchcraft Workshops, and it takes place on the first Sunday of every month at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. These are two-hour Zoom workshops that offer deep knowledge and a chance to develop your magical skills, plus ask questions and connect with me around some amazing topics. We've got some fantastic topics coming up. In May, we'll be doing Capnomancy and Pyromancy, which are the secrets of candle smoke and flame reading. In June, we'll be talking about summer solstice magic. In July, we'll be talking about moon magic. In August, working with pendulums, and the list goes on. You can come to these classes live, but even if you can't attend them live, Everybody who registers gets a recording. So you'll receive that confirmation email and the recording the day after, 24 hours after the workshop. If you'd like to check out the workshops and sign up, the rest of the year is open and available. So come on out and go to witchcraftworkshops.com and you can sign up and join me in a fabulous workshop on the first Sunday of every month. All right, let's talk about animal familiars. In some traditions of paganism, Wiccan paths and so on, witches and magical practitioners, there is the concept of the animal familiar. The animal familiar is really, if we want to look at it generally, it's an animal with whom we have a special magical connection. That's how we look at it these days. However, that wasn't always the case. As we look back in history, in European folklore, in medieval times and the early modern periods, familiars were seen as evil. They were evil. Witches had evil familiars. Familiars just means, a fam it's actually short for a familiar spirit. And a familiar spirit was like a close friend or companion. We can see it in the word familiar. The word, word familiar is the same root as the word family. So we can think of our familiars as being like family members. However, back in the old days, during those European witch hunts, familiars were said to be 
given to witches by the devil. So these were considered to be evil spirits that were like minions of the witch that would go out and do her evil errands and create all kinds of havoc. They were small demons and they could be either in human form or they could be in animal form or some other kind of form. Um, often animals were the form that they would take. And so cats, dogs, toads, rats, and other small animals that would be around uh, someone accused of witchcraft would sometimes be found guilty of being a familiar. Now, they were believed to be supernatural entities or um, spirit guardians or spirit demons who would protect or assist witches in their practice of magic. And during the witch hunt era, many domestic animals, unfortunately, were killed because of their associ association with um, people who were alleged to be witches or heretics of some kind. Now, according to the records of that time, they, as I mentioned earlier, they could be animals, they could sometimes be human or humanoid figures, but they were different than something like a ghostly spirit. A ghostly spirit was kind of, you know, misty and you could see through it, but familiars were, had a physical form, a real solid physical form. Now we look at this sort of Western European belief about familiars and we see them as being evil. But in older times, we could see familiars as actually being positive spirits. In some Scandinavian countries, familiars were spirits of the land and nature, and they considered their familiars fairies, dwarves, and other elemental beings um, that could inhabit the physical body of animals. However, once the Christianity came in and the church came along, anything that wasn't an angel or a Christian spirit was seen as a demon. And therefore, these animals who might be close to a magical practitioner or even helping a magical practitioner, not necessarily in a negative way, were seen as demons. So this, this is a later label that was put on them by a Christian church that was trying to wipe out witchcraft and magic. Now, in core shamanism, the animal familiar is not a physical being at all, but is a vision animal or a thought form. Sometimes it's called a spirit animal or a power animal. And for shamans, it often travels astrally uh, or serves as a magical guardian of some kind um, to protect the shaman as the shaman travels in the lower world, the upper world, or the middle world um, doing spiritual work. So... As we look at all these definitions, you can see that the positive definition is really the one that we embrace today. And that negative one is what I would call, you know, bad publicity or even conspiracy trying to wipe out the assistance or the closeness between um, someone who is a solitary practitioner sometimes who had those animals as their companions. Now, when we think of the term today, we can, when we think of familiars today, most people think of familiars as the actual living animal. That's something that is relatively a new concept. In those older concepts, they were seen as spirit beings. They could be um, fake creatures that had taken the form of animals, um, power animals or spirit animals, and so on. But for the most part, people today talk about the familiars being an actual living animal. And most people do not believe that these are spirits or demons that are inhabiting the animal, for sure not seen as demons. Now you might see a shape-shifted 
spirit. That could be a way of seeing a familiar. But I think for the most part, when most people are talking about the familiars, they're talking about just animals that are their companions, their friends, their guardians, and their helpers. Now, when you think about a, a familiar and your familiar um it's, it's a kind of special relationship. Not every animal that you come in contact with is going to be a familiar. Usually a familiar is an animal where we have an emotional or even a psychic bond. Usually it's a pet of some kind who has a close relationship, but sometimes it can actually be a wild animal that comes into your life in some way, or it can even be a visionary animal of some kind. Regardless, this animal is attuned to you and it is connected to you in a deeper and more unusual way than a regular pet or a regular wild animal that comes around. When we, people describe working with familiars, most people think of it as a very uh, special spiritual relationship that they have with a particular animal or animals. Um, they might have this special feeling or feel like there's a psychic link or see behaviors that lead them to believe that their animal is helping or assisting in some way. Um, now, if you have wanted to have a familiar, but you're feeling like I don't have this very special, magical, unique experience with animals, that's okay because most people experience this in a very subtle way. It doesn't need to be big and dramatic. It doesn't mean like I went out into the forest and I saw this golden stag that stared at me and we had eye contact for an hour. It doesn't have to be big and dramatic like that, although a big and dramatic experience with an animal can be an amazing and magical thing. But our subtle experiences with animals can open up that familiar experience. So why would we want to have a familiar? What do they bring to our magic? Well, some people describe their familiars as their spiritual teacher, or they might just say things like their um, familiar is a helper or a companion or a messenger or a protector. Animals can bring healing, blessings, and protection in the material world and in the spiritual world. And they can also give us insight or a new way of viewing how to work with energies. You know, animals are very attuned to the spiritual realm. And so they can also be guides who teach us about working in the spiritual realm. We can also benefit from that relationship with the familiar by tapping into that animal's particular strengths. So for example, um, if you have a dog that's your familiar, you might be able to tap into the energy of not backing down or maybe friendliness and openness to others, depending on you know the, the sort of personality of your dog familiar. A cat familiar, for example, can show us the importance and the magic of silence or being hidden. Or they can teach us about relaxing. My cats sleep every chance they get. So they teach me a lot about relaxing. I still have to learn though. Um, they can also provide us protection in the real world. As I mentioned before, if you have a guard dog or in the astral realms, if we're using a power animal to take us as we go journeying into these other realms, or even that area where these two worlds meet, maybe perhaps there's a spirit in your house and your animal's playing with the spirit or notices the spirit. So our familiars can be very helpful to us. They can also 
add energy to our spells and rituals. That's what my familiar does big time. When I'm doing magic or doing anything, divination or anything, she's always around. And I'm going to tell you the story of her in a minute. I'm also going to tell you how to find your animal familiar and honor it in your practice. But before I do that, I'd like to share a very special VIP one-on-one experience that you can have with me. Now, a month from now, you can still be in the same place you are, or you can completely empower yourself and conquer your challenges magically with me right by your side each step of the way. You can imagine, if you can imagine this, having a life where every day you have the delight of receiving a delicious spiritual practice and a little magical tool that I give you that imbues your day with magic and is the start of creating rituals that will amplify your power, your joy, and your abundance on any topic that you are working on. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the 30-day Magical Mindset Makeover. Over the course of 30 days, together with me at your side, you'll learn how to do magic, real magic, that is particularly created and crafted around your intentions. You will believe in your own power to direct your life and you will have the knowledge and the tools to do so. And every day you'll have the delight of receiving an exquisite magical gift and a practice to go along with it to learn this these new and empowering skills. So if you want to find out more about the 30-day magical mindset makeover and sign up to get on the waiting list, I only can take a few people each month. So you have to get on a waiting list. And then when a spot opens up, we let you know. Go ahead, go to magicalmindsetmakeover.com and we'll put you on the waiting list and let you know when spaces become available. All right, let's talk about finding and honoring your familiar. Now, as we get into magical practices, I want to say this. Not everyone has needs or even wants a familiar, and that is totally okay. If you don't have any desire to work with animals in your magic, you can still have an amazing magical practice. But if you're a person who is interested in animals or interested in nature, this is a great way to enhance your practice. So first, the first thing to do that I recommend is start with the animals that you are already close with. If you have an animal companion, like a pet, cat, dog, fish, bird, whatever, try working on strengthening your psychic connection with that animal. If you don't have a pet, you might see a wild animal who regularly visits you. Maybe you have a bird feeder outside or a squirrel feeder, or um, you have rabbits that come into your yard or deer that come into your yard. Try to connect psychically with them and see if there's a special one where you feel a special energy. Now, another way that we can find our magical familiars is by having an animal appear in our life unexpectedly. Now that can be seeing an image of an animal over and over again, or having uh, an animal that's a pet show up in our life. Um, Maybe you have like a cat that comes into your backyard. It's possible that it's coming there because you're leaving out food. So that wouldn't necessarily be a familiar that's coming to you. But if a cat or a dog or a bird or a squirrel or a crow or deer or rabbit keeps coming back over and over again, 
it may be that it is drawn to you psychically and wants to work with you. But before you jump to that conclusion, first rule out any mundane reason for it coming around. It's like if you have flowers that attract bees and there's a bunch of bees coming around, it might be for the flowers, not because they're psychically telling you that they want to work with you. So always look for the mundane reason first. So if you'd like to draw familiar to you, you can also do that through a visualization. It could be not even a real animal that you have this psychic link with, but a power animal, a visionary animal. So if you want to do it that way, you can set the intention of finding your power animal and in your mind's eye, go into a meditation and do a visualization where you are in a place in nature and see if you see any animals. Go looking around, look at the different wildlife that's around in your vision scape that you have. And if an animal keeps coming up over and over again, at least three times, then ask it if it is your power animal and if it, is, it can work with you as a familiar and it will answer you in a psychic way. Now, if you happen to connect with that animal entity while you're doing this meditation, or maybe you're doing some meditation that has nothing to do with looking for your power animal, but an animal keeps coming up in your mind, then that may be your power animal, or it could be an animal that's just curious about what you're doing. So if you want to find out if that's your power animal, ask it and it will answer you. Now, some people believe that a familiar selects you. I think it's a two-way street, but some people are really like the animal has to choose you. I think you guys choose each other, just like friendship, right? So another way that we can find our power animal might be seeing images or hearing messages about an animal over and over in odd synchronicities. And that may be the message that the animal wants to come through for you. Like recently, I have had not just related to the fat the fast fox candle but i have had foxes come up over and over again i have had people say to me your animal is the fox i've had fox imagery coming up constantly and so i feel like fox is calling me now for some reason to work with it so that's an example of how you see these synchronicities or unusual things or messages that are showing you that this animal wants to work with you now, think about the pets that you already have and what have they brought to your life? Are they bringing something a little extra? Are they, do you have a, a sense that they're a little special, that they might be a human and a cat or dog body? Sometimes my, my one cat is definitely a human and a, a cat body. Um, think about how these animals came into your life. Was it an orphaned animal that you found? Was it a gift from someone? Did it arrive at your house like a stray and it just wants to live there? That can also be a sign that this is a familiar that wants to work with you. The physical animal or the visionary animal keeps coming back over and over again. Now, my kitty cat, Glinda, the white and tan kitty that I have, she totally came into my life in this synchronistic way. The reason I got her, I had no pets because I was doing a lot of traveling and I love cats, but I felt like I couldn't have a cat because I was traveling all the time. But then I had a mouse in my house and I said, that's it. I don't want mice in my house. I am getting a cat. Okay, that's my sign that I got to get off my butt and get a cat. So I looked at our local animal rescue to see online on their Instagram what animals they had. And they had this super cute little black kitten that was adorable. 
And my last cat was a black cat. And I thought, I love black cats. So I said, I'm going to get that little black cat. So the cat was up on Friday night. It was up on their site. And I went first thing Saturday morning. So I was going to get that little black cat. And when I got there, they said to me, oh, the little black cat was adopted at the shelter at eight this morning. They bring the cats from the shelter to this rescue place. And I was like, well, I wanted that little black cat. Hmm. Oh, well. Well, they said, we have another cat. She's really great. And she has a great personality. You want to check her out? And I said, well, okay. They only had one other cat. And it was Glinda. And I was like, mm, she's not really what I was thinking of. But I picked her up and immediately felt she was so relaxed. Like she just sat on my arms like a little baby. She wasn't afraid. There were dogs everywhere running around. She was so chill. And I said, I think this is my cat. She's just so relaxed with me and so comfortable with me and so mellow. I think I need to bring her home. So I adopted her. So it wasn't the cat I went for at all, but I feel like this path was she wanted me to come and get her and she so that somehow the spirits brought the mouse to me the black cat that brought me down there and all the things that brought me into her life now she is like my spiritual companion and my familiar she oversees my magic i had a psych a pet psychic a wonderful pet psychic say she was a magical practitioner not knowing anything about her or anything about my relationship with her she used to be a human. This my my friend Darren, the pet psychic, said she used to be a human. Your other cat has always been a cat. That's Ozma. But Glinda used to be a human and she used to be a magical practitioner. He knew nothing about her. He knew nothing about her. But she actually is very attentive when I do spells. She's very attentive when I'm doing uh, divination or reading at home. So she is a magical cat and definitely a familiar and energetically brings so much to my magic. So that's my little story about Glinda. Anyway, so up on that tangent, I want to tell you how to honor your familiars. So, of course, if you have a real animal, of course, you honor your familiar by taking good care, loving them, feeding them, taking them, you know, taking care of their health, protecting them and so on. Honor your pets and, and really honor that relationship because they're your family, right? But if you're working with an animal that you don't have in your home, like me and the fox, right? I'm not going to bring a fox into my home. It's not fair to the fox, right? I'm going to work with a fox on a spirit level, but not on the physical level. So the way you can do that and honor these um, familiars that are spirit familiars, find some pictures or representations or little statuettes or something that represents them and add it to your altar at home. It can be like I said, a little statue, a little figurine, a photo, an image, a cute image, whatever, artwork. But you can also get articles that come from these animals. I don't recommend, I never recommend harming an animal or buying body parts from an animal because you don't know the story of that. And it always feels icky to me personally. So like I don't sell rabbit's feet because I'm like, mm, that doesn't seem right. But if you find feathers or shells or bird's nest or snake skins or sheds or things like that, claws, I find my cat's claws everywhere. Um, these are parts that they are leaving for you as a gift. And these you can bring onto your altar and you can respectfully bring that home as a connection to that animal antlers that um, the deer have shed is another example. These things that they're leaving for you. So I don't recommend killing an animal as an animal familiar. That doesn't sound 
at all right to me. Um, there are other ways that you can connect and honor these animals. Watch documentaries about the animal. That's what I recommend to people all the time. When we find a special animal, a power animal for someone, I always say, watch a documentary about that animal and learn about them. Or you can listen to recordings of those animal sounds and see what they evoke in you. Read factual books about the animals or folk tales of, that feature that animal. And that will help deepen your relationship with your film, your familiar. Now, if there is an animal welfare fair organization that is devoted to your animal, volunteer for them or make a donation. We have all kinds of things in Los Angeles like wolf rescues and um, wild, uh, really big wild animal rescues with lions and tigers and things like that. You can volunteer, make a donation. You might even be able to visit and hang out with these animals nearby. So rather than capturing a wild animal, adopt a wild animal and help a rescue organization. That is a great way to honor these wild animal familiars. But if they come into your yard and you feed them, that's great. If they're your pet, that's even better. You can hang out with them. Any animal can be your animal familiar from anything from an insect all the way up to the most majestic, beautiful, big animal. So um, enjoy working with your animals and what they bring to your magic. They bring so much to your spiritual practice and your magic. And I know you're going to really enjoy working with them. Well, that about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. If you would like to get even more info about working with animals and your spells, my gosh, we've got so many candle spells that are animals. We've got the wolf candle, the howling wolf candle, and the fox candle. We've got so many animals, the owl, the cat. Oh my gosh, we've got so many. So um, go over to Parlor of Wonders and you can check out the learn page, but you can also check out those spell kits and see all those wonderful animals that you can work with. And you can also find the way to join me live over Zoom for the Magic Q&A Tea Party that takes place every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central or 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to parlorofwonders.com and click on the learn tab and you'll see all the wonderful free resources for learning, but check out the whole website. There's lots there for you to enjoy. I want to say thank you to all the Spell Squad members who have subscribed to and shared this podcast. This is an amazing thing that you do. Um, thank you so much for that. And thank you for leaving reviews on iTunes and Stitchers. Those really help um, get the wide, wider message out about the podcast. Um, thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering. Thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing. And thank you to you for joining me, whether you are here with me live on or listening to the podcast. I'm looking forward to next episode when we'll be answering the question, how to add gemstones to your spells. Until next time, this is Madame Pemmy to saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever. <laughs> <laughs>